1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. You'll know me as the editor of the magazine who always has a hungry look in her eye and a rapidly expanding waistline. But this week the team are back with a preview of London Cocktail Week. We have tips on working with chocolate for your weekend bakes and Gregor and Janine fight over their favourite childhood recipes. Plus I make a revelation that shakes the rest of the team. So, make yourself comfortable, ideally grab some sort of brew and biscuit, and enjoy. First up, we have Charlotte, our web editor, talking all things chocolate, and listen out for my dirty little secret. So, first up, we have Charlotte here with me. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. Um, So, in magazine land, it's a very odd time of year at the moment, isn't it? Because we are thinking about Christmas and even beyond that. Yes. And so, our desks are sort of... Very high with all sorts of goodies, mince pies and things, but also lots of Christmassy chocolates. Um, And it's also chocolate week coming up soon, which is one of my favourite weeks of the year. (laughs) And that is the 10th to the 16th of October. But that kind of has got us thinking, hasn't it, Charlotte?
2: About chocolate, yes. It
1: has. Um, And we're going back to the basics though, aren't we?
2: Yes. I think one of the most popular... Features on our website, olivemagazine.com, is a feature about how to melt chocolate properly because it's not the easiest thing in the world, actually. And there are just a few um, important tips that I would recommend if anybody's baking this weekend. Okay. Um, The first is just really simply to break the chocolate up into the same size chunks. Interesting. Because obviously if one's twice the size of another one, it's going to take twice as long to melt. So... Try and be rigorous in your chunk size. That's, I mean, that's a
1: very good tip because I am very guilty of doing that thing where you smash the chocolate yeah, bar in the packet, in. shove it all in. Yeah. So yeah, I will. Mm. I will do that from now on.
2: Yeah, it doesn't take that much longer just to just to cube it. No. Um, the second thing is we we. Always melt chocolate, Bain-Marie style, yes. which is just a, a bowl over simmering water. Not uh, touching the water though, that's very important, isn't it? Yes, because you don't want to get any moisture in your chocolate, yes. because as soon as you get water in your chocolate, the whole thing seizes, Okay, and it's very difficult to get it back to its glossy, silky texture. Okay. So you don't you want the water to be too hot, because if you create steam that can condense and Get into the chocolate. Okay. So you could even just put the heat on and then turn the heat off, and the chocolate can melt in the residual heat very gently, which is that's, what I do. Okay, that's a good idea. Uh, yes. So that's something to bear in mind. We don't tend to use microwaves to melt chocolate at Olive simply because it's very easy to burn chocolate that way because mm. you can't see what's going on. Yes. If you are going to use a microwave, just do it in really short bursts, mm. like if you're melting butter in a microwave, I just. Do it literally five or ten second bursts, and you just have to stand there until something starts to happen.
1: So actually, it's a bit of a false economy to think that you're saving time in the microwave anyway, because you're having to go to the faff of doing that and keep checking it.
2: And also, I find at the weekend, I was melting some butter in the microwave as you do, but then it caught the smell of the Uh. whatever fishy thing was in there before. So it's it can pick up any aromas that you've had because it's such a it's a a tight, concealed box. Yeah. So you don't want that. You don't want that No fishy though. chocolate. No. Right. So it is best just to use a bain-marie. Okay. Um, the reason that the chocolate seizes if you get water in it is because the chocolate will bind with the sugar and the cocoa to form those little lumps which join together to make larger lumps. Right. And it, as I said, it's not easy to reverse that. So keep the heat level low and try and stop any steam escaping around the edges of the bowl. Because okay. it could drip in. Okay. That's the last thing you want. Apparently so, yeah. Yes. Um, the other thing that's important is you shouldn't overheat it yeah. because it can burn. And also chocolate just melts at body temperature. You know, if you're holding a chocolate bar yes. on the way home, it melts. Yeah. So you don't need, to bl- don't need to blitz it. No, I've got a dust little secret. I'm going to tell you now, Charlotte. Oh, God, go on.
1: Okay, so one of my favourite chocolate bars is Galaxy. Yes. It's not, um, it's not a highbrow chocolate bar, but it is great. And my favourite way to consume that is to sit on it, what? Um, <laughs> because it melts it ever so slightly with sit my body on temperature. <laughs> wrapped, obviously. like a hen. Yes, uh, <laughs> okay. I like to pre-warm my chocolate and have it slightly melty.
2: Do you have to sit on it? <laughs> Why don't you just? sort of hold it well I don't know
1: <laughs> it's just something a bit more satisfying about okay. it kind of getting it to temperature anyway as you were carry on
2: <laughs> right yes moving on <laughs> um if you do add liquid to chocolate yes for example cream if you're making a ganache yes um Make sure you add it quickly Okay, so you get it over and done with because it just doesn't like the addition of anything, really. It wants to sit there and get on with it. Okay. So enough liquid will allow all the dry particles to float around and dissolve rather than sticking together. Okay. So just act with haste interesting with, with things like that okay um,
1: that's, that's very interesting to know now what about different types of chocolate does that affect sorry I can't
2: ones? get over the fact that you sit <laughs> on your chocolate pot.
1: alright let's move on <laughs> does no, surely everyone does that nobody no? does that
2: Laura okay just think, me well if anybody else does that tweet Olive magazine because okay. we'd love to hear from you
1: it's a top tip I bet everybody's going to start doing it now if they weren't before right if
2: some people go the other way my brother won't eat chocolate unless it's been in the fridge my mum's a bit like that she likes a you know, really the cold snap, snap.
1: yeah mm. But that's fine for, you know, your good quality, you know, 70, 80% chocolate. But for right. Galaxy, right? I like my You melt. should
2: get in touch with them and suggest it for
1: Yeah, us. this podcast isn't sponsored by Galaxy, <laughs> although I will welcome many deliveries of Galaxy okay. that want to come to the office, just to clarify.
2: Oh, dear. Okay. Yes.
1: Uh, yes, different chocolates. Talking of different percentages and yes. things. Now, I know from experience, having tried to melt, say, white chocolate, that's especially more sensitive to all of these things we've been talking about yes. as well, isn't it?
2: yes. And white chocolate is is far sweeter than mm. any other type of chocolate. So bear in mind that will make whatever you're baking with it far sweeter. For yeah. example, if you make a blondie, which is a white chocolate brownie, that's probably going to be stickier and sweeter mm. than a chocolate brownie that you'd make with, say, 70% dark chocolate. Indeed. So I'd, I'd probably lessen the amount of sugar that I put in a white chocolate brownie yes. than I would a normal one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I tend to use seventy percent dark chocolate mm. for cooking because it makes a sort of treacly texture, mm. and it's much a much more lush colour.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of that truer chocolatey flavour as well, yes. isn't it? You kind of more it's, genuine. It's not sugar. It's not got that sugary edge that some other chocolates. Yes, have.
2: yes. So it can be expensive. It's an expensive ingredient to use. It can. That's making. why I always look
1: for the buy one get one free yes. and stock up. And Indeed. then just try not to eat them. Um, <laughs> but just talking about the blondies as well, before I forget, in case anybody hasn't seen this recipe that's listening now, we have an incredible uh, custard cream biscuit blondie recipe, which yes. is absolutely amazing. And yes. That, and that's, I know we've talked about the other uh, brownie recipe on this podcast a lot which is the bourbon brisket brownies which are incredible too We just had to remind people how great that is they're both on olivemagazine.com
2: we've also got a recipe collection on the website which is a lengthy title but (laughs) it's basically the Best ways to turn your favorite biscuits into something else yeah. catchy,
1: yeah, I mean short and snappy, so. but, <laughs> but a great idea because yeah, yeah if you're there's as all sorts addicted to biscuits as we are, yeah. Olive, then it's a useful article
2: it's yeah. just make just to make it a bit funner, a bit retro things that you can do with jammy dodges, and goodness knows what else, so that's also on our website, okay, fantastic. as are the tips for melting chocolate in far more detail, and there's also a video there, so you can learn visually brilliant so you've
1: listened you can read and you can watch we are all about the multi-dimensional media here at olive yes fantastic all right well thank you so much Charlotte you're welcome I will uh, be baking with authority now on the weekend thank you so much Um, and for anything else chocolate or other food related stuff head to olivemagazine.com yes amazing thank you Big thank you to Charlotte. And just to confirm, in case you're all wondering, I am not sat on any chocolate now. I am instead about to talk to Sarah, our lovely drinks writer, who has got a preview of London Cocktail Week. Now, Sarah... It is Friday when we recorded this podcast. I like a cocktail of a weekend. As do I. I also like one of a weekday. Yeah. Um, and next week, as of the 3rd of October, yep. we've got a special reason to go out
0: and have cocktails. Exactly. Certainly in London. Um, why is that please? Yes. So next week, 3rd to the 9th of October, is the 7th year of London Cocktail Week. Okay. Which is kind of the biggest cocktail festival in the UK. It attracts so many people. There's about 40,000 people visited Last time, I can see why, and it is just a really fun week. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of sound like I've had cocktail week already. Yeah. I apologise, everyone. I'm a bit sniffly this week. I'm sure you've been doing lots of research. <laughs> as I would I've been working really hard. Yeah, good. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. So basically, the premise is that you sign up on their website for a wristband, which costs you a tenner. Okay, and that gives you access to £5 cocktails in about 200 bars across London. So that's significantly cheaper than normal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you're generally paying at least a tenner for a cocktail, at least, going up to maybe 20 quid. Okay. So really, really good value. It gets you going to bars that you wouldn't necessarily go to That's a good of a normal Tuesday night. Yeah. (laughs) Which is (laughs) Can be a good or a bad thing, I should say. Yeah, it depends how how far you take it. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, there's loads of bars taking part. And loads of events other than that as well. They've got second year running. They've got their massive um, London Cocktail Week hub, which is in Spitterfields Market. Okay. And there's about 40 different pop-ups within that space. Wow. They're calling it the Cocktail Week Village. So you actually don't need to leave Spitalfields. You don't even need to leave Spitalfields okay. if you're you know, not familiar with London or you don't want to travel an hour across town to go to a specific Bar. So there's lots of pop-ups and trucks and vans and street food cool. and lots of really cool stuff going on. Yeah. And the actual Cocktail Week bar. Drink Up London bar itself, um, which has got bespoke cocktails from some of their favourite bars. Brilliant. If you don't want to go all the way over to East London, some people don't like travelling that far. There's also the World Class Hub, which is in um, Piccadilly. Okay. which is Very central. Yeah. So it's very timely, actually, because the world-class competition is happening in Miami as we speak. Well, this is very exciting. This is very exciting. Um, And they've got a menu in the world-class house designed by the UK winner, Aidan Bowie. Okay. He's from Dandelion. Um and they I due- don't know if you've noticed <laughs> listeners, but that is Sarah's favourite bar. She's not meant to be biased, but she she's a big fan of Dandelion, as we all are here at Olive. It's, it's just a really great. cool bar. It's just great. So yeah, he's designed this kind of menu with Ali Reynolds, who won it a couple of years ago. Okay. Um and they're kind of doing retro versus future of the cocktail. So Ooh. it's essentially the same menu on paper, yeah. but completely different interpretations of it. Which is gonna be that. really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. As well as that, in the world-class house, you've also got the Kettle One Bloody Mary kitchen. Okay. teaches you how to make the perfect Bloody Mary. Um, if you can't get down to that, we've got loads of stuff online that we've done with Dave Beattie, the brand ambassador, about building your kind of, like, bespoke Bloody Mary. Yeah, because it could be very simple but all... Yeah. And it's complicated, yeah, the way it's And it's simple. quite a Marmite drink. I love them. I do too. But a lot of people can't get their head around the tomato juice or the spice and... Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. It can be with apple juice or carrot juice or whatever whatever you kind of want.
1: Yeah, I tried a really interesting um, yellow tomato juice Mm. cocktail a few years ago. It was a bit lighter and it didn't use Worcestershire sauce because it was a vegan... Uh, cocktail because obviously that's got anchovies in that sauce so it was yeah that was really great yeah it was really really good and black cow vodka as well which was that really creamy
0: love black cow vodka yeah
1: creamy mouthfeel yeah it was good um so yeah it just shows a variety of different serves that you can do but yeah lots of information on olivemagazine.com
0: about that if you can't get to that event um and then also there's you know uh cocky are doing a negroni masterclass which takes you through lots of different styles of negroni okay it's a really simple classic cocktail. It's only yeah. got three ingredients, but there are lots of different variations. And it's so big at the moment, isn't it? Everybody's Huge. obsessed with it's Negronis. And,
1: and lots of bars are doing them so well. And there's so many great bottled Negronis,
0: as, as we've done in yeah. Love Magazine, yeah. uh, a couple of months ago as well. So yeah, that so would be a good one to go that's to. That's a really good one. And Roberta Barver, who owns Cocky Vermouth, is coming over to do that personally. Wow. So you'll get to meet him, have a chat, find out a bit more about Vermouth and what makes a perfect Negroni. Um, gosh, there's so many, so many things to I know is going to be busy next week. I know. One of the things I'm really excited about is Clue Clay are hosting The Clumsies for okay. five days. Okay. So The Clumsies is a bar in Athens and it's number 22 on the current 50 best list. Could change. Could change. <laughs> Listen to the podcast next week so we will have the results as they come out. Amazing. So that's very exciting. Yeah. So yeah, they're coming over to Clue Clay for five nights. You get free entry with your cocktail wheat wristband. Right. And yeah, you know, it's a great opportunity because you wouldn't necessarily travel to Athens just to go to a bar. No. <laughs> so it's great that they can come over and yeah. you'll get that whole experience without having... You know to pay out there, <laughs> the be an expensive bet, night out yeah, it, would,
1: it would but yeah. it's quite I suppose this is a great thing about these sort of weeks is it brings together experts from all around the world and you're getting to see how exactly. different people um, do different expressions of these different cocktails and exactly. who, you know which ingredients or, or flavors or styles are being sort of championed in different countries so it's a really yeah. cool opportunity if you're into your booze this it's
0: great a I mean week. London is kind of cocktail capital of the world and that sounds a bit you know pretentious but it is we last year I think it was three out of five of the top 550 best bars were in London. That's so impressive, isn't it? So, yeah, people are looking from all over the world to us Mm. for what's going on. Um, So it's great that it's attracting that kind of international audience as well. Speaking of international audience, Okay. (laughs) Patron, um, The Tequila, are doing a cocktail lab and they're bringing over seven international bartenders from some of the best bars who are putting on a special menu. So so you can go and chat to them and find out, you know, what the trends are in all over the world. Amazing. Yeah, so there's so much more... So much more to it than that. And it's not
1: just about drinking, it's about learning and it's about kind yeah. of experiencing different things it as is. well. There's so.
0: lots of really cool little immersive experiences and masterclasses and all sorts going on throughout the week. So, so you
1: pace yourself by the sunset. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and there's a big focus on coffee as well. Interesting. This year. Okay. So even if you're, you don't want to drink booze or it's a bit early for booze, yeah, go head over. I think Tia Maria doing a coffee masterclass with uh, Square Mile. Okay. So that's a good one to go to as well. Great. Yeah. So London
1: cocktail, London cocktail Week is the one to go to. Yeah. So if you're planning a trip to London over the winter, this is a good one to do a
0: last-minute hotel trip, I think. Yeah, so it's 3rd to the 9th of October. Okay. Um, wristbands are tenner. Go to londoncocktailweek.com. Uh, all the information is there. All the timetables are there. You can buy tickets to extra events. Cool. And yeah. if you want any extra sort of booze
1: geekery, Sarah's got loads yeah. of stuff on olivemagazine.com. And obviously, she has her regular pages in the magazine called The Measure as well. So she'll yeah. be telling you what's hot next month. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. Great. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Sarah. I'm even more looking forward to Olive's Friday drinks policy at four o'clock now. I'm hoping that it's specifically cocktail themed to celebrate such a week. And now, thanks to a decided autumn chill in the air and our Facebook feeds being filled with first day back at school pictures, we have Gregor and Janine talking about their favourite back to school recipes.
3: I'm with Gregor today. I sent Gregor an email earlier on this week saying, "Let's talk about back to school recipes." Yes. And Gregor sent me one back saying, "Yes, tapioca." Yeah. I was actually thinking more like you know back to school, quick and easy lunch ideas, but right. then it got me started off thinking actually school recipes. That's quite an interesting subject. Yeah, so,
4: school dinners. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so
3: basically that's the um, that's the avenue we're going to go down today yeah so tapioca gregor what tell me what is the fascination
4: well the reason that it made me think of school dinners is whenever i i tell people i love tapioca yeah. they always go frog spawn <laughs> school, school dinners Ugh. and um and the thing is that I, I never got tapioca at school dinners it was, they, they never served it there. But it's. You, but, you were lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, I mean, usually for the puddings there, we got those, those like big squares of uh, like chocolate crispy cakes. Oh, yeah. In, in, uh, or or sometimes we got jam roly poly, yeah. another favourite. But tapioca pudding was something my mum always made for me. So
3: she probably made it like nicely nice. yeah <laughs> she, yeah i guess i guess
4: you got your lot must have been traumatized yeah. by it but um but anyway i yeah, she made it at home for me and uh and i and i started eating it myself again a few years ago as, as like a comfort food none yeah. of my family at hasten ad will join in with this okay so they, pastime they've of got mine. the fear yeah the they, fear. yeah tapioca <laughs> fear and like right like, yeah my my girlfriend she she doesn't she's not into it she, again the the school objection but and 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 she's put the the boys off, just right. like Yeah, it, it, so they won't have it either. So, but I, I make it, and I tried it, you know, reading it off the back of the packet, yeah. What to do and like searched out recipes and so forth. But they all added vanilla, which was not what my mum did. It was just all it was was sugar, milk, and tapioca. Okay. That's it. Uh, no, and butter. Oh,
3: the butter. But I reckon just, the butter probably made it. As yeah,
4: well. yeah. Well, it it does. But you just that's all you do is you just you just melt some. You first of all you put some. The tapioca in the milk and the sugar, and you yeah. just c- cook it, stir it like porridge until it's ready. And that's pretty much it. And then you put some butter in at the end, yeah. melt it in, and that's it. So do you,
3: you don't jam it up then?
4: Nope, don't jam it up. You don't de- need jam on tapioca. That's semolina or rice pudding. Because I like semolina pudding too, but I've yeah. not had it in years. But with that one, usually she would bake that, yeah. like put an egg in it and bake it as well. But that that would, it will only give it like a crispy on layer of to the top. One minute, rewind. Yeah,
3: an egg. In semolina,
4: yeah, yeah, because if you could, you could bake it afterwards.
3: Okay,
4: so that that's like an American. Do you mean like
3: an egg just sitting in it, like looking? No, at you no, no. Or, no. You, oh, mi- you mix it, it in. and right, okay.
4: then you put it in the oven. Okay, and, it, and I was you can, getting a bit
3: worried. There. No, Amer-
4: American recipes for yeah. tapioca pudding they always have eggs in them also as well, they, so they give it they, they give set it a crisp. It. yeah, they set oh. it, and it gets like a it's more like a. a a pudding pudding. Pudding then. pudding, yeah. And it's, it's like with... But you know how when you do your own rice pudding, you put it in the, in the yes. oven and it gets yeah, a yeah, nice yeah, crispy top. Skin. So it has more of that effect and it's set rather than being runny. Okay. You know, but I like it runny. It's basically like conden- a bowl of condensed milk. Really.
3: But the texture, you do get that kind of slightly. Um, yeah,
4: frog spawniness. Yeah, yeah like well, then sort of gelatinous little bit. But I think, I think that's lovely. I really like it.
3: Do you like bubble tea? Because it's got a similar. I little, do like
4: bubble tea. Yeah. I find, because that is tapioca that they put in bubble tea. Yeah. They're the bubbles. Yeah, yeah, brilliant.
3: But, um, all right, so back to jam. Yeah. This is, um, so if you had a rice pudding and you and someone gave you jam, are you a mixer or are you uh, leave it and just leave go it down? in the
4: middle and get little bits? Yeah, that's me. Really, Same true. as it would be with <coughs> a fruit corn or yogurt.
3: Because when yeah. I was at school and people used to mix it in and make it pink, that was no, that's horrible.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. I wouldn't do but, that. But
3: um, tell us what tapioca is made out of, because you just
4: I think it's so it's what Sago and tapioca are very are very similar looking yeah. things. One I can't remember which way around it is is made of manioc, okay. and the other's made of cassava, yeah. and they're both made into flour. You know, pounded and made into flour, oh. and then they're made into pearls, and sometimes in Asia they're made into sticks. Oh, and so, and yeah, I mean, you never really get that here, but they're f- for for things that they use them in 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 East Southeast Asia for. Mm. They're, they're made that way. Yeah. So
3: it's not grain; it's like a it's like a man made little. That's little right. They're made of at roots
4: yeah. that are pounded.
3: So you're saying it's a bit like couscous, because that is like Yeah, because
4: that's again that's a flour that's made in a tiny well, it's tiny pasta. Tiny basically. pasta grains, yeah. yeah.
3: No, it's really fascinating because I know I kind of in my head probably, you know, I had the frog spawn thing and then I had well, it must be just some kind of weird little grain thing, mm. but it's not. No. Um my my pudding memories, mm. I've I've sort of realised that I've I'm kind of a bit in love with suet. Oh yeah, no, I love suet. In all forms. Yeah, 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 me too. Because I started thinking, well, what would be my, what would be my ideal, um, you know, school pudding? And I used to love what we call treacle pudding, but in fact, it's not treacle, it's golden syrup. Golden syrup, yeah. Um, And my grandma used to make one as well, and mine's, it, Mine probably comes from I'd say Delia Smith because mm-hmm. we had the complete cookery collection, mm-hmm. which I've got a very well-thumbed copy of at home, and mm-hmm. I've used loads of times. And she's she is very good on suet cooking yeah. of, of all types, but. Um, but yeah, we used to get um, treacle pudding, except what they'd do is they wouldn't turn it out like a big classic pudding shape. They'd sort of bake it in those big trays. Yeah. So then yeah, you would get. the catering trays. Yeah, the catering trays. So the, the kind of syrupy bit would be at the bottom, yeah. and then you'd get a square of it. Yeah. And then you get the, 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 the unavoidably yeah, yeah, lumpy yeah, yeah. custard on yeah, yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that started me off thinking, oh God, all those amazing. Actually, I, I guess classic treacle pudding before anyone writes in doesn't have suet in it it's more of a sponge base so it's mm. more of a sponge pudding but then you do get your um your suet based puddings like for example spotted dick which was yeah. big at school yeah. and also very funny yeah for, like, <laughs> of course of reasons. <laughs> yeah. um jam roly-poly
4: yeah that was one of my favorites yeah
3: yeah which is also called dead man's leg did you used to no, call it? No, i didn't know who
4: <laughs> <laughs> no. called it dead man's uh, leg we know. didn't call it dead yeah. man's <laughs> leg but
3: apparently it was um and then you've got your more sophisticated ones that I, that I didn't get at school but I learned about afterwards um including sussex pond pudding right where you bake a whole lemon mm-hmm. inside a suet um it's like a suet pudding case mm-hmm. so in a in a pudding bowl and then inside you pack it with a whole lemon and brown sugar and um and butter, and then steam it for three hours. And it turns into kind of lemony toffee sauce with a broken down lemon in the middle.
4: That sounds beautiful. And it's yeah. a
3: classic old... I mean, it does collapse. Yeah. It, will, it won't hold its shape as soon yeah. as you turn it out. It sort of collapses yeah. into this lovely kind of mess. But it's that's mm. a great one. But um, but yeah, I was thinking about like how suet... Um, was around a lot in my childhood because my grandma was, you know, she was. She always had a packet of Atora in the kitchen. Yeah. And in fact, now I have a packet of Atora so in the I. kitchen, so I. Yeah. and I, I will not accept the vegetarian substitute no. because it's just not the same. It's not it the, same. Taste the same.
4: It's really hard now to buy. You used to be able to buy when, I know. when, when we. Uh, Sue it from a butcher yeah
3: you did but now, now it's it. really
4: hard to find they're that they're making now. it because yeah. they
3: think it's bad for us yeah yeah and it I mean <laughs> maybe it is in comparison to other things but I mean it you don't get that classic no you don't steak and kidney pie no. sort of flavour and you don't get that classic kind no. of um, you know pudding flavour unless you use it and it, it's interesting in that in a lot of pudding recipes, they would use the beef suet Yeah. because you can't taste it. I mean, no, no, it's just, of
4: course not. No. But it
3: does give you a slightly salty edge, which I guess is
4: yeah. But it, it just it it brings there's a yeah a saltiness to it. Yeah, and and um and and I think that yeah that. Salt, as we know, like salted caramel. Yeah, it just gives something extra yeah. puddings, and it's it's something that's yeah. missing. You know, it's like using salted butter. You you have to use salted butter. Yeah, for you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think
3: kind of suet's one. I mean, let let's not let it die out because no, obviously, it's, it's what made British puddings great. <laughs> it's made them great. Yeah,
4: <laughs> this absolutely. It's making me really hungry. Now, now, actually, the the other one, one that I'd never heard of at school because probably because it's an English thing, yeah. is, is gypsy tart.
3: Oh yeah, gypsy tart, is, which is
4: which a, a classic school pudding. Yeah. I believe in England mm-hmm. and uh, and I love it I'd never had it before yeah. but it's absolutely that's the condensed
3: perfect. milk based condensed one isn't it condensed milk
4: based one yeah and
3: it's just condensed milk I think sugar think it pretty much and is. An egg I think a, a,
4: and, and it but on a pastry base
3: yeah oh god it's, it's so good. sweet though yeah. I know you've got a really sweet tooth I do have a really guilty Aikenly, yeah yeah I do achingly sweet yeah. yeah well I mean We've gone through every single pudding. I'm really hungry. Now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Even though today we've actually been doing the um, Christmas supermarket awards judging, and we've ate yeah. our way through canapés, puddings. Um, yeah, in reverse as in well. Reverse we've had as a meal well. in yeah. reverse. Yeah. yeah. So five minutes ago we were feeling quite nauseous. Yeah, and now I'm actually wanting a big
1: plate yeah. of um, treacle pudding. Yeah.
4: Well, Thanks. I'm off to eat some more Grasmere gingerbread.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very
4: much. Well, thank Kruger. you very much, Janine
1: so you might not be convinced that tapioca is the way forward but a massive thank you to gregor and janine and thank you to you for listening to this week's olive magazine podcast remember if you've got anything to say whether that be sharing your love for sitting on chocolate like me or whether you are going to any of london cocktail week's events that you want to share with us remember you can tweet us facebook instagram twitter pinterest youtube get in touch you can also subscribe or download our podcast for free via acast itunes or your favorite podcast provider and remember, if you have the time it'd be super awesome if you could review and rate us just to make sure as many lovely people as you get to listen thank you happy listening happy eating and melting of chocolate and drinking of cocktails and we'll see you next week